Hello, friends. Welcome to the Restoring Christianity podcast. If this is your first time joining us, I'm Alina Van Dyke, your podcast hostess. In a time when the heart of the Lord is often misrepresented, the Restoring Christianity podcast was birthed to extend an invitation for believers in Jesus Christ to wholeheartedly love and obey the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and reconstruct a healthy, deep, and meaningful relationship with Jesus. It is my goal to teach and bring in guest speakers who address real issues with humility and vulnerability and bring balance, clarity, and truth to those of you who want to seek the Lord in spirit and in truth. Before we begin today, I just want to remind everybody that Pray in the Desert is one of the prayer hubs for the Isaiah 62 fast. You are welcome to join us on Zoom for one of the prayer meetings or many of the prayer meetings. And I was joking the other day, and I might post it on Instagram, the parable of the many laborers that come and the, I guess, owner of the field offering them one day's wage at the beginning of the day. And then even the people that he collects at 5 p.m. at the very end of the day that only work one hour... He still pays them for the whole day. So I was like, even if you join us on day 10 or day 20 and you just join us for one prayer meeting, the pay's the same. Just come. (laughs) Um, So I hope that you will. I hope that you'll come join us and that you'll pray for Israel. We've had really sweet prayer meetings, um, just praying scripture and seeking the heart of the Lord for Israel, praying for their leaders, praying um, praying for the borders and all the things that are happening uh, currently, but praying for the peace of Jerusalem because the Bible tells us to. Which brings me to today. I have uniquely been asked this this week and just had some discussions with people about whether or not the Bible really tells us to pray for others. And right away, you know, a few things come to mind. Him telling us to pray for Jerusalem. He actually tells us to, like the Bible in Psalm 122 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem so that you may be secure. The Lord tells us to pray for our enemies and pray for those who persecute and abuse us. He tells us to pray that there would be laborers that are sent out into the harvest. That would be praying for people to go and to be sent. So we may not be the ones that change people's hearts, but the power of prayer is real and praying for the Lord to do something in other people is absolutely biblical. So today I want to talk about that, what it really means to pray for others and just some of those other scriptures that confirm that the Lord wants us to pray for other people. First, I think that the most important thing to look at is the fact that Jesus prayed for us. And I think we talked about that in the past couple podcasts with John 17 and how he prayed not just for the people around him, but everyone who would believe in him through their testimony throughout time, meaning that Jesus, before he went to the cross, prayed for you and me. And so if he was praying, not just for the people around him, not just for, Lord, take this cup from me, if you will, your will be done, not mine, and praying for himself, but he also prayed for others and prayed for those in the future that were yet to be. So immediately we have permission just in those final few hours of Jesus's life to prove that it's okay to pray for yourself. It's good. We, I recommend it <laughs> strongly. And it's good to pray for others and even future generations, to pray that things will happen in the future. We talked in the last podcast about praying into prophecy. And I was saying that we want to hear the word of the Lord, whether it's through scripture or even 
a modern prophetic word or something that somebody speaks over your life and then actually pray into it, pray it into being or pray for more clarity, for more revelation, for um, the Lord to reveal what he really meant when he said it. So for example, in the Old Testament, we have tons and tons and tons of prophetic words over Israel and Jerusalem and the people, the Jewish people. And so as we've been doing this Isaiah 62 fast, we've been going through the Old Testament scriptures that are the different prophets, Ezra, Nehemiah, um, Isaiah, of course, Jeremiah, different moments in time that the Lord gave a revelation in the Old Testament or in the Torah to the people that were men of God of the time and said, this is the destiny of my people. This is the destiny of Israel. This is where they're headed. So for example... Israel being a nation didn't happen until Harry Truman was in office. But for many, 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 many years, there was prophecies in the Old Testament that had said, Israel will be a nation and I will draw them from all the edges of the earth in order to unite them under one nation. And so those prophecies were there and then people were praying about those things. People were praying those things into being and saying, Lord, you said you would do this bring it into your remembrance, bring it into the forefront of your mind. Lord, would you do this? So you have intercessors standing in the gap, confident of the word of the Lord, using scripture and praying about those things. So often when we pray, we might say something like, Lord, you said where two or more are gathered, you are with us. Lord, you said to ask and that you would provide. Lord, you said that if we seek you, if we humble ourselves, if we seek your face then and turn from our wicked ways, then you will heal us and you will heal our, heal our land. There's these scriptures that we put before the Lord in order for him to hear our prayer. We are repeating God's words back to him. And if we're saying God's words back to him, then we can guarantee that the God who is faithful and true and never lies is going to listen to that word because us praying his words put us in alignment with his will and his word. And so we're not just praying a one-off random thing, like let the sky be red tomorrow. Not really sure that that's God's will. Not really sure that that's where we're headed. Not really sure that that's a thing at all. And instead we can say, Lord, you said this. And so we're not just conjuring up some vain imagination, but we're actually praying something that fits in alignment with his will. And there are scriptures about that saying that we can be confident that the Lord hears us if we pray a prayer according to his will. And so that's in 1 John 5. And so in my time at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, we would be told that, like, we're going to pray apostolic prayers, meaning the initial apostles, Peter, Paul, John, um, those guys that were there with Jesus, we're going to take the prayers of the saints that have gone before us, and we're going to pray their prayers. So when you hear me say, and I've said in all of the podcasts, that my hope is that you'd have a spirit of wisdom and revelation— I'm quoting Paul in Ephesians 1 when he says that, that the Father of glory would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, and that we would come into the true revelation in our heart of the knowledge of God, his true character, his true identity, not to know him as Santa Claus or an abusive father or a God who's distant, but to know the true way that the Lord has revealed himself to his people. 
And the reason that we pray for other people is because we're interceding and standing in the gap. So throughout the Old Testament, we have the leaders or the prophets praying for the people, for the leaders like the kings, for standing in the gap for somebody to be healed, for going to the Father. It's like the Lord handpicked somebody that he delighted in and chose to lead, like Moses or Samuel or Job even. That's a great example. And then either the people request that holy man of God to pray for them, or the Lord tells him, you have to pray for so-and-so. And there's even moments in Jeremiah in particular, when the Lord tells people, you can hear my note paper, um, he tells Jeremiah, do not pray, do not intercede for their welfare. And it's like the Lord has already decided or their hearts have already been hardened and decided for um, the permanent decision that they will not change and that they're going to stay in their destruction, stay in their hard-hearted ways. Which brings me all the way back to the example again of Pharaoh's heart being hardened against Israel so that the glory of the Lord could be shown through releasing Israel out from underneath the slavery of Egypt and being led into the wilderness by Moses. And that example also is a good example of the Lord commanding Moses specifically what to do. You know, pray for these plagues, pray for these things to happen. The Lord did not tell him, pray that Pharaoh's heart be softened and he changed his mind. That was not what the Lord commanded. So it's really important that we partner with the Lord and the Lord's will in order to intercede for people. Now, if you don't know a specific answer, you know, the Lord isn't speaking, but you want to pray for your kids, you want to pray for your friend or your family member or whatever, you are welcome to bless all the time and to pray for their salvation. And if you, again, I was challenged this week, like, well, how? I can't pray that somebody's changing. You know, again, the Pharaoh example, like once somebody's set, they're set. And the truth is, is that the scripture says that the Lord desires that none would perish and that all would come into knowledge of him. And so that alone, you know, the desire of the Lord is that none would perish. So even if you pray that, Lord, do not let them perish. Let them come into the knowledge of you. If you pray commands that are universal, like let them love you, Lord, let them love their neighbor as themselves. If you're praying scripture over people, you can't go wrong. There's no way. And the Lord will correct you if something doesn't feel right. But if you're also really interceding for somebody specific, a child maybe who's lost or a prodigal, then you can declare the promises that you have over them and the things that maybe there's a baby dedication when they were little and now they've walked away from the Lord. And you can say, Lord, these things were spoken over them when they were young. Lord, we know you knit them together in my own womb as a mother. And I'm asking, Lord, that their calling would be irrevocable and that you would move them back into the calling that I know that you've placed on their life because I watched this child go and get raised up and now walk away from the things of the faith or whatever, walk into darkness and and ask for that to shift, to return to the light. Clearly, I'm just you know, giving examples off the top of my head and it makes me want to intercede as I do the podcast to go, there must be a mom out there who's struggling with her prodigal and going, Lord, how do I pray about this? But it's too hard to, you know, give a trillion examples of all the different ways that you could pray. So I'm going to return to the Old Testament again and just talk about some of the forefathers in the faith and the different ways that they prayed. So 
I could probably list scripture and it'll probably be a funner, is that a word? A more fun um, scavenger hunt for you to go find them. But honestly, a lot of this, I just, I wanted to go, when does the Lord say, pray for blank, pray for your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, pray for Jerusalem. And so I just went into Bible Gateway and I searched with quotes, pray for. And I was fascinated because some of them were just titles, you know, like um, a chapter or a section title. But a lot of them were, you know, Moses prayed for Aaron, Samuel prayed for the king, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, yeah, there's so many moments that prayer was a specific command and um, it worked like in the Lord moved, you know, and that doesn't include all the, I mean, there's so many times that it's like, you know, David went to the Lord and sought him and said, should we go up to AI? Should we go into this battle? Should we not? So there's so much prayer. Every communication with God is prayer. So when you read your Bible, you're going to find prayer, 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 prayer all the time because it says pray without ceasing in the New Testament. So we are commanded to pray. It is a vital imperative part of our, not just relationship with God, but our spiritual vitality and life. And so just a couple fun examples, again, you could pull it up on biblegateway.com, um, that Moses intercedes for the people when the people grumble against him and are like, what have you done to us, Moses? Why did you bring us out here in the wilderness? This is in Numbers 21. And the people grumble against Moses And then the Lord is mad at them for their rebellion and their unwillingness to submit to the leader that he chose in Moses. And so he ends up punishing them by sending serpents and they like come bite the people. And in order for them to be healed, they come to Moses and repent and say, pray for us. We were wrong. And then the Lord heals them through Moses's prayer. So like what a fascinating concept that the Lord has to humble the people to come repent to Moses for what he did, for what they did. But then Moses has to be humble enough to actually seek the Lord and forgive them enough to actually pray wholeheartedly that they be healed and that things change. So it's just as important, like when we talk about forgiveness and we say, you know, sometimes forgiveness brings reconciliation, but if not, if somebody has passed away and there's not an opportunity to actually talk to somebody, it's still important to forgive for your own heart's sake. So in this situation, it's important not just for the people that Moses prays for them and for their benefit, but also for Moses's own heart so that he stays clean and he isn't still angry with them that they were grumbling against him. So it works in that way as well. There's another section where the Lord is um, angry with Aaron for the way that he's doing things as a priest and Moses has to pray for him. And Moses is reflecting on that and telling that story in Deuteronomy 9. Another great example, because I love Moses and the ways that he's praying and interceding for the people. There's another example where he actually says, would you wipe me from your book? Like, would you remove my name from being able to go into heaven if you would save all the people instead? And the Lord's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to trade your one life for all of them. But then that's a mere image of Jesus in the future and trading one life for many, many, many to be able to come into the kingdom. So Moses was a true intercessor. I mean, that's very clear. Um, 
But moving on to Samuel, because I love remembering that it's like you, I've read my Bible so many times, but there's so much in there that you can never remember it all. And so when I saw this today, I was like, oh man, how beautiful is that? That in 1 Samuel 12, the people come to him and ask him to pray for them. And so there's another example of we're supposed to pray for others and people can request like, please pray for me. Um, but shortly after, First <laughs> uh, Samuel twelve twenty three, um, literally four verses later, he replies, moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I will instruct you in the good and right way. And it hit me so hard reading it and going, wow, it is, it is not just a requirement or a command or a recommendation that we pray and intercede for people, but here's Samuel actually saying, it would be sin for me to not pray for you. Isn't that good? Um, so moving on to Job, because that one earlier when I said it, I was like, oh, that's such a good example. So in the book of Job, the Lord takes away everything from Job. He loses his children, his property, his livestock, all of his wealth, everything. Even his own body is covered in boils and he is sitting in dust and ashes and just lamenting and mourning over the loss of everything that he's built in life. And while he's mourning, three friends come and sit with him. And at the end of the book of Job, after they've debated and talked and tried to figure out what Job did wrong in order to deserve this judgment from the Lord, they get corrected by God. And God corrects Job and says, who are you to question me? I'm God. I get to do whatever I want. <laughs> uh, that's the very, very short Alina version. Um, and then the Lord corrects the friends and says, what you said about me was not right. And he tells Job to pray for them so that he'll forgive them. And so again, the Lord intervenes and tells the good guy, the holy man of God, Job in this case, whose life looks like a mess, he's to the people would not seem like the guy who's got his act together because all of this has happened to him. And yet it's not at all a judge of his heart or that he did something wrong to cause these bad things to happen. And instead the Lord puts him in the place again of you pray for your friends so that I forgive them. Job 42 verse 8 says, My servant Job shall pray for you, and I will accept his prayer to not deal with you according to your folly, for what you have spoken of me was not right, as my servant Job has. And so even through all of that, where they're debating and stuff, the Lord says to the friends, Job was in the right. You thought you were in the right, but actually Job was in the right. And spoiler alert, if you haven't read it, the Lord restores everything to Job in the end. So Moving on, I mentioned way at the beginning that Jeremiah, um, I was, there's quite a few verses, Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah 11, Jeremiah 14, three different chapters there I'm naming, um, where the Lord says, don't pray for the people, don't pray for their welfare. And a lot of people quote later in Jeremiah 29, when the Lord tells them to seek the welfare of the city and pray to the Lord on behalf of the city, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And so typically, that's what people are thinking, is that we need to pray on behalf of the city that we live in. And I would say that's absolutely true. Again, noting that sometimes the Lord says, don't pray for them. And I really wanted to talk about this in the last podcast. I'm reading 
Reese Howell's Intercessor, the um, basically biography of the intercessor, Reese Howells. And in it, often the Lord says to him, like to pray for something, but then he'll, he'll end up saying, stop praying. Because at some point in time, we pray for something, asking, 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 asking. And then when the Lord brings breakthrough and says, I will do it and provides an answer, then if we keep praying, then those aren't prayers of faith. Now they're lack of faith in what God said. So I myself have been in the situation where the Lord has said, I want you to pray for this specific person, for example. And then, you know, you you go into the scripture, the prayers of a righteous one availeth much. That's James 5.16. And so we pray knowing that our prayers are heard, confident that we what we ask of the Lord, it shall be done, especially when two or more are gathered, that he hears us, et cetera, et cetera. But then the Lord says, okay, I heard you, yes or no, provides an answer, stop praying. And that's kind of mind-blowing. You know, it's basically the time of action. Like if David went to the Lord and sought him and said, should we go up to battle? When the Lord gives an answer and says, yes, go, you don't sit there and keep praying and going, are you sure? Is that really what you said? You're like, I heard him, we're going. We're going into battle. We're going to trust he's got our back. We're going to hurt. We're going to trust that we heard him right. And um, in Reese's case, there's a lot of prayers for healing. And so the Lord will tell him to fast or pray for healing or pray for breakthrough and and especially a physical ailment. And as he's praying, the Lord then says, okay, stop. It'll happen and it's going to happen at this time, which is a strong statement that Reese heard the Lord so clearly and so directly. And he, the Lord had made it really clear to him, if you keep praying, you're praying out of lack of faith and and so stop when you hear an answer from me. So when I was talking in the last podcast, I kept thinking of that and then never getting to it because it was too long already and just thinking it's really true that we have to pray into a prophetic word. Like the Lord's like, yes, pray for this person to be healed. I want to heal them. And we pray and we fast and we seek the Lord on behalf of that, just like Daniel praying and fasting his 21 day fast and the angel coming to him and saying, since you set your face to seek the Lord, I've been trying to get to you, but the Prince of Persia has been fighting with me and it took me this long to get to you. So it's like, there's things in the heavenly realms that the moment that we set our face to seek the Lord and pray for something, things are happening, but we may not see it down here physically on earth. Things are shifting in the heavens. But once the Lord says, it's gotten through, it's happened, you know, in the heavens, it is done, then we're just waiting to see that manifest in the physical. And that, again, is the partnership and the beauty of relationship with God as we enter into praying for things, praying for others, and seeking His will for them. I, of course, you know, believe strongly that there will be a house of prayer, um, 24 seven someday in New Mexico. And that is the dream that the Lord has given me. But I just have to note those verses as well, that Jesus says in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, my house shall be a house of prayer. And he's quoting Isaiah 56 when he says, I will bring these to my holy mountain and I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. I can't imagine a church that doesn't pray. And I know there are many 
in the world, in the country. I get it. But in order for us to be a people who are seeking the Lord and seeking the face of God, those of us that want to restore Christianity, those of us that want to walk in the way of the Lord and truly seek Him in spirit and in truth, we're going to be a praying people because His house, where the Lord chooses to abide, is with people who pray. That's really clear in the scripture. If you feel alone and you feel like the Lord is not with you and you can't find Him, start praying. That is the way to connect your heart to his heart. And sometimes people are like, well, how do I pray? What do I start praying? Even this, to go start praying the basics, protection, provision, blessing over yourself, your friends, your family members. Like, let's go super basic and just go, Lord, you know, I'm asking that you would cover me in your blood. I plead your blood over my sins. I ask that you would give me a spirit of repentance that I would know you. Lord, help me to seek you. Teach me to pray. Be my teacher. There are so many basic things, like whatever it is that you know, even if all you know is Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Say that, Lord, you are my shepherd. You say that you're my shepherd. Lord, come be my shepherd. <laughs> that may sound silly, but he is so excited to speak to you And the Bible says he's constantly searching the earth for those that seek him. And so I feel like there is so much scripture to back up the fact that when you look at him, he is in awe of the fact that you turned just like Moses at the burning bush. It's like, it says that Moses saw the burning bush and said to himself, like, what is this great sight? And turned to look at it. And when the Lord saw that Moses turned to seek this mystery, then the Lord called out to him, Moses, Moses. And so this is your burning bush (laughs) Um, to have a moment where you go, I want to seek you. I want to turn and look in a deeper way. Maybe you're already a praying person, but you want to go deeper into intercession or you're praying for the first time and in new ways at least. And you've been doing the basics of like gratitude prayer and just thanking him for things. And it says we enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. So you can just say, Lord, you're holy. And I thank you for today. And you just entered the courtroom of heaven. That's enough. Um, But then to go from there and go protect my children, Lord, watch over me, guide me, lead my every step. I've, you know, I used to be a praying person before I prayed scripture, but man, I, I just recommend you pray scripture. There's just so much beauty in there to repeat the Lord's words back to him and know confidently that he hears you and that he's with you in what you're praying. Okay. One last command, I guess, or urge, one more urge (laughs) to use, um, Paul's word in the English standard version. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come into knowledge of the truth. That is 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. Um, This is Paul telling Timothy, pray for people, intercede for people, be thankful for people, not just for the people that you like, but for people in power and authority, kings, people who are in high positions, your pastors, your leaders. And that does not make 
a qualification of them needing to be good. So it doesn't mean that you pray for the president only when the president that you voted for got into office. (laughs) You pray for everyone who is in leadership. And Paul says it is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God for us to do this. So if anyone tells you we should not pray for people or praying for people is unnecessary, biblically, that is absolutely not true. And I hope that this podcast um, you know, proved that in some stories and verses, et cetera. But I just want to leave you with hopefully this encouraging Bible verse to say that you're not alone in wanting to know how to pray. You know, the disciples turned to Jesus and asked him how to pray, and he gave us the Lord's Prayer. But in Romans, Paul says in 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So the Holy Spirit is interceding for you and for everyone else on this earth. And so if you don't know how to pray, just ask him. Because not only is the Holy Spirit praying for you, but then in Hebrews 7.25, it says that Jesus is always living to make intercession for us. So literally the Lord, like two out of the three on the Trinity, (laughs) are praying for you constantly without ceasing. So if we are to be Christ-like, if we are to be in relationship with the Lord, then we are in relationship with a God who even intercedes amongst himself. So of course, if it's in his core nature, in who he is as God, then of course we also want to partner with that and be a part of that and intercede and pray for ourselves, for our neighbor. I I would even dare to say that prayer is love, that praying for someone is akin to loving them. So saying that, I would say, if we are commanded to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, then I would say, as you pray, pray for others as you pray for yourself. And so we'll do that right now in closing. Lord, I ask you for every single listener and for myself, Lord, that you would bring us into a deeper understanding of your will and how to pray and what to pray. And Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for scripture that we can, if we didn't know how to pray, we could just read John 17 out loud and we could just partner with the prayers that you spoke before you went to the cross for your people, for us, even Lord. And I thank you that you are gathering so many people from all over the earth to pray for Israel. Lord, thank you that you are stirring hearts to ask questions about prayer and about intercession, that you are stirring hearts to ask questions about Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you are constantly interceding for us as the Holy Spirit and as Jesus before the throne room, that in the throne room of God, there is constant prayer, there is constant worship. Lord, may we be a people who pray and worship May we be a people who pray without ceasing, who invite you into everything that we're doing, who partner with you in praying for the people that we mutually love. And Lord, thank you that you gave us a prayer that we can all pray together and know that we are praying according to the model that you taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. If you enjoyed today's episode, I encourage you to visit alinavandyke.com and to read my book, Return to Love, Restoring the Heart of Christianity. If you want access to exclusive content only for supporters of this ministry, please find Alina Van Dyke, all one word, on Patreon. $25 a month may not be much to you, but would make all the difference for me as we dedicate ourselves full-time to building a house of prayer in New Mexico. The best places to follow me are on Instagram and Twitter at Alina underscore Van Dyke. And if you're in New Mexico, please consider connecting with our prayer ministry at Pray in the Desert. Now from the bottom of my soul, thank you so much for listening.